Good morning, good morning, good morning. New day, but same damn topic that's in the news every day. I want to put some numbers into perspective on just how green is Trey Lance. Is Jimmy Garoppolo starting? And what the hell is Adam Scheffner talking about? We're going to get into all that and more right here on the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And of course, as always, if you haven't already, go check out Locked On 49ers with myself and my co-host Brian Peacock, also Locked On the NFL Draft. It's draft time. It's draft season. Everybody's getting into the draft. Make sure you go over and check out Locked On NFL Draft for myself, Ryan Tracy. Both links to the shows are in the description below, so click on those. Let's go. But right now, man, we are talking a little bit about a little bit about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Will he stay? Trey Lance. Why is the media so down on him every time I look? The media is talking down on Trey Lance, and and I don't know if it's the prop up. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know what it is, but we are definitely going to get into that. I see someone say, uh, Croc, did you get a new camera? You look crystal clear. No, not a new camera. <laughs> it's the same camera uh, as my iPhone. I've always used I have two iPhones, and I use one for my streaming. But I am about to get a, what do they call it, DSLR? I'm about to get one of those eventually. I mean, it's just spending money, and I feel like I got so much money going out all the time. I'm just like, gosh, I don't want to spend 700 dollars on a camera at one time we already got the super chats rolling in hey mr crocker my name is george i'm from the grand show i'm a first time listener i'm hoping jimmy g is not coming back these media people something else you know what at first i appreciate you uh coming over shout out to my guy grant i'll be on with grant later today not even later today what in a couple of hours so uh you know shout out to grant Cone. appreciate you coming over though we are definitely going to get into all that and more man i want to first start talking about Let's talk about the Jimmy Garoppolo aspect of it, all right? And, George, we're going to address that right now. I don't know if if I'd say I just don't want Jimmy Garoppolo back. I, I don't think that's that's not the case, for, for me at least. Now, the way I do view it is what are the benefits of keeping Jimmy Garoppolo around, and is that what this scenario calls for? When I look at the way that this roster is constructed and the things that they've given up for Trey Lance to bring him into this organization. I, I don't see how you have Jimmy Garoppolo continue to be on this roster. Now there's some numbers. All right. And I'm going to look at, here we go. I got a news. I got another little screen. You feel me? I feel real fancy with this. All right. We're going to look at some of Jimmy uh, Garoppolo's stats and why would the 49ers keep him around? All right. A lot of times, if you're if you are, let's say Aaron Rodgers, right? We're looking at Aaron Rodgers and some of the things that Aaron Rodgers is doing for the Green Bay Packers, not just through his career, but just everything that's kind of on his plate, right? Like the the team goes as Aaron Rodgers goes, and typically that's to say that's the case for most quarterbacks. But when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of what he's done really throughout his time with the 49ers, I think he's been 
he's he's been pretty good, been fairly efficient. I was kind of going back and forth with one of uh, the listeners of the show, one of the subscribers on social media and uh, on YouTube in the comments. And he was saying, and it was on my last video talking about the cornerbacks. And he was like, dude, the, the, the corner, the cornerback, the quarter, the cornerbacks suck. <laughs> They're not good. And he's going on and on about this. And I'm like, dude, he's like, they blew a 10 point lead in the NFC championship game. I'm like, they blew a 10 point lead. No, the, the offense blew a 10 point lead. When you have a defense, I mean, the, the Rams had seven points, seven. What more do you want from the defense? You know what I'm saying? They had seven points. The offense couldn't get enough first downs. They couldn't move the ball. A defense can only hold on for so long when you are already holding a team to 12 less points or 12 points under their, their average. That is difficult. That's difficult. So now, you know, what, what makes the difference? I think it's the quarterback. So that's my thing right here, right? If you have a quarterback that's able to overcome those type of circumstances and dig you out of that, and your team doesn't have to be perfect around, then yeah, you keep that guy. And then that's Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, you keep him. But I don't think that's the case. I think this team has to be on point. I think this team has to be on point. The run game, the 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 receivers run after catch, the defense, they have to be on point to get those wins with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, he's good enough to take advantage of that. When they're on point, he's going to take advantage of that as opposed to guys like C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, Brian Ward. They couldn't take advantage of it, right? But Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough to take advantage of it when they are on point. But when they're not, and you have a 17-7 lead, and, oh, no, the defense gives up a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Okay, you need your offense to kind of do something to put the game away. And Jimmy couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. More times than not, he struggled with it. Luckily, 49ers had the block punt in the uh, in the, in the Packers game, or it might not even got to the NFC Championship game. All of Joe's draft picks, a city kid for three years, basically ruined a career just to trade the kid and get value for him instead of having to sit behind a mediocre quarterback. That's just my opinion, and, and I hear you now. I I will say that I don't know if sitting Trey Lance would ruin his career. I don't know. I think this is a very unique circumstance when it comes to Trey Lance and the development of him and kind of how they're doing things and kind of moving and, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo, okay, uh, Tom Brady, a guy that had limited experience coming to the NFL already. But I definitely think he's more more than talented enough to be able to get on the field. And I think that that's the part where we have to have this conversation. Adam Schefter came out and said that Trey Lance is greener than any of them expected. Right? That was what Adam Schefter said. Trey Lance is greener than they expected, but hey, he's developing nice. He's developing to their liking. He's coming along, but he's just a little greener than they thought he would be. All right? That's why I got the pushback. So I listened all offseason to all these different things. I listened to a couple guys in particular, um, uh, Matt Mayoko, Matt Barrows, right? And Matt Barrows and Matt Mayoko, especially Mayoko, I know I listen to him a lot. Him and Laura Britt. And a lot of their offseason talk surrounding the quarterback position was, hey, the, the 49ers, uh, they want to go with somebody that's a little bit more like Mac Jones. And they really like Mac Jones. And they were like, you know, we hear Trey Lance's name, but, you know, he's a little raw. And, you know, maybe not the passer. And he's different than 
Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't see them going with Trey Lance. I don't think Trey Lance fits their style. I think it's Mac Jones. That's who they're going to like, as a lot of other people said that as well, right? Well, the 49ers took Trey Lance. And, and Matt Mayoko was like, you know what, man? We'll, we'll see, but, ah, oh, man, he's going to need some time. He's going to need a lot of time. He's raw. He's green. Uh, you know, all he got to develop. He hasn't played football in a year and all this, that, and the other, right? And then Matt Mayoko saw him on the field. And if you go back and listen to those podcasts after Mayoko saw him on the field, his tone completely changed. So, again, you got Adam Schefter coming in, greener than we thought, greener, whatever. But then as soon as Mayoko, a guy that was kind of pushing back on the thought of Trey Lance, saw him in training camp. The Man, this is the best rookie quarterback I've seen come in. Better than Alex Smith. Better than uh, uh, Calvin Kaepernick. This is the best rookie quarterback I've seen come in here. His words, a guy that pushed back the whole time. A guy that pushed back on the thoughts of having Trey Lance. Best rookie quarterback that he's seen. It didn't just stop with him. It was Barrows. It was Grant Cohn. Grant Cohn was tweeting out, Trey Lance is a, a, a running back. Trey Lance is a running back. Uh, Trey Lance, um, he talked about his limited throws. He's not this, he's not that. He would not go with Trey Lance. Grant Cohn sees Trey Lance live in training camp. Trey Lance needs to start. So for them to say that, you know, he's raw or whatever, everybody else that's been around the 49ers for years and has and has seen all these different quarterbacks come through as rookies, they are saying Trey Lance was the best that they've seen. Now, maybe it wasn't to Kyle Shanahan's liking or whatever case it is. But to say that he is any more or less green than any other rookie quarterback, a little questionable. Now, fast forward to the season. All right, and I got some numbers here. And if you listen to Locked On 49ers, you heard these numbers. All right, but fast forward to the season. And real quick, I, I, I got the Super Chats uh, started away. Let me just finish my thoughts real quick. But I think when you see the Cardinals game, it was clear something not quite right. All right, something not quite right with the rookie quarterback. Maybe Kyle doesn't know how to call plays for him. Maybe Kyle feels like this is where he is right now in his development. And maybe this is the greener than we thought aspect of it, whatever the case is, it was clear Kyle was just trying to figure out how to get by with his rookie quarterback. Now, the weird thing is, even after the Cardinals game, he said, hey, if he didn't bang up his knee, he would have been starting against the Colts. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But he did say that. Moving forward, going and you play against the Houston Texans. And when he played against the Houston Texans, it was weird. I went back and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't know what to expect, what to look, what this is going to look like. A quarterback that I saw was really up and down, saw some high moments, saw some low moments in the Cardinals game. Um, we've seen some erratic passes. I'm not quite exactly sure what he's going to look like. All right. So I went back and watched Josh Allen. I'm like, let me see one of Josh Allen's first starts, his fourth start or something. And I just clicked on the random game. He was playing against the Green Bay Packers. It was terrible. It was terrible. Like, I'm talking about Josh Allen. It was like some of the worst quarterbacking I've ever seen. I'm like, damn. Hope Trey Lance don't look like that against <laughs> <Guess> Houston. <laughs> Shit, right? So then Trey Lance goes in and he plays against Houston. And I thought if you use the context of a guy who hadn't played in a year, he's in his second start, 
they only have two weeks of starting uh, uh, first string reps in the NFL. I thought it was good. His up and down moment, he was 10 to 13 over 100 yards, ran for some yards, made some throws, threw a pick. All right, okay, first half, okay. Second half, it was good. He was he was pretty efficient. A lot of the throws that I was seeing early on, uh, firing slants five yards over guys' heads, just missing bad on some throws. Uh, I didn't see that. Indecisiveness, continued to see that. But even off of him being indecisive, he made plays with his arm. And I said, okay, this is good. Heading in the right direction. So much so that guys that pushed back on him, again, Chris Sims, did not care for uh, did not care for him. Did not care for Trey Lance had him as one of his worst quarterbacks in the league. Right? One of the, I mean, not one of the worst quarterbacks, excuse me. One of the worst uh, starting uh, rookies, excuse me, one of the worst rookies, his rankings. He had him like the sixth-ranked quarterback or whatever, right, uh, out of all the rookies. And out of the six guys, he come back and he's like, shoot, this Trey Lance, after he watches Houston, hey, I think they should go with Trey Lance moving forward. Chris Sims. So now there's multiple guys that push back on the throw of Trey Lance. Now they've all come around to saying, you know what? Now nah, this guy got something and he needs to play. And Chris Sims was saying that heading into the playoffs. I wasn't even saying that heading into the playoffs. Chris Sims was like, this dude needs to play heading into the playoffs. So, again, when you hear people say, oh, he's greener than we thought. The fuck does that even mean? When I've watched these other rookies. He ain't look like them. I've watched these guys and what they look like and their ups and downs. He wasn't any worse than any of them. In fact, his second start was the best. In fact, he led all rookies in fantasy points. I mean, there are positives to what we saw. So for people to just blatantly say, he's just greener, he just can't play, he's not ready, it's like, where does it come from? So I did some numbers. I added some numbers now, this is what I did, y'all. I took Trey Lance's two and a half games that he played, right? He played two and a half games. Now, I also added, uh, you know, he remember, he threw the first touchdown pass of the season and uh, to Trent Sherfield. So this is kind of lumped in there. That was one pass. He had one pass, I think, his first start, first game. Not first start. First game that he played against Detroit Lions. Touchdown. I kind of lumped this in there. But we're going to average out. We're going to average out. Trey Lance's numbers, what he did in two and a half games, right? The second half of the Seahawks game and the Cardinals game and the Texans game. So his two and a half games that he played, we're going to average his those numbers that he did in those two and a half games and multiply that over 17 games of season. And what will his numbers be? What would his numbers be? All right. So I'm going to just throw out there anybody who hasn't listened to. If you listen to Locked On 49ers, don't comment. But if you have not listened to Locked On 49ers, what do you think Trey Lance's numbers for a season would be if you multiply what we saw? The greenest to green quarterbacks they've ever seen, and he's so green and he can't play. If you multiply his numbers over 17 games, what do y'all think his numbers will be? 
And I want to see y'all put in here uh, touchdown passes, interceptions, passing yards, and rushing yards. So all of his numbers, rushing yards, passing yards, touchdowns, interceptions. What is that over a season? Completion percentage was 57, uh, almost 58%. Not great. Josh Allen's second year. So real quick, y'all putting in, putting in there, what do y'all think his numbers will be over the entire season? All right, here we go. 28 touchdowns, uh, 15 rushing. Are you saying, Croc, I threw this out on Twitter a week ago. Don't don't put it in the chat, then. So okay, so my guy, my guy Jesse already put it out there. These were these would have been his numbers. That's a little bit off from. Is that what I have? That's a little off from what I have. But this is the the greenest of green quarterbacks. That's what they're telling us. I did the math on his two and a half games that he played and multiplied that over 17 games. 40 over 4100 passing yards, that would be a 49er record. 1142 rushing yards, that definitely would be a record 49ers quarterback. So we're talking about over 5200 yards, uh 34 passing touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns, so 40 touchdowns and 17 picks. 17 picks not great. We're talking about over 4,000 passing yards, over 1,000 rushing yards, and 40 touchdowns. For the, if you average what he did in those two and a half games over the entire season for the rawest quarterback they've acted like they've ever seen in their lives. What are we doing? What are we doing? And I'm not saying that there isn't any greenness to him. I'm not saying Trey Lance is this perfect quarterback. All I'm saying is he is nowhere near what they put out there on social media. No, I won't say nowhere near. There is some rawness to his game, as any of these other rookies that we've watched this year. I watched Zach Wilson playing a game where he it was the third quarter, and he had four completions and four interceptions. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, Crock, I think you take it. So, all right. But, yeah, even though we, we were right there. Hey, and Jesse, if you want to come on live, you want to talk, talk about some of your thoughts on this, feel free. Let me know. I, you know, I'll shoot you the link in the, in the uh, DMs on social on Twitter. But for a, a quarterback who they are saying is just the rawest thing ever, and he's so raw, I'm not saying that he's not raw, even if he puts up these numbers. But I'm saying that is that's the raw version of Trey Lance, even if you knock off a little bit. Even if you say, all right, he doesn't throw 4,100 yards. He throws for 3,800 yards. Hey, maybe he doesn't run for 1,100 yards. He runs for 700 yards. Maybe he doesn't have 34 passing touchdowns. He has 28 with another seven rushing touchdowns. That will still be some of the best production we've ever seen from a 49ers quarterback in history. Obviously, context, he's rushing as well. Obviously, context, there's 17 games now instead of 16. But... It's like for him to be as raw, he's very productive. Again, he is a guy who had the most fantasy points by any rookie per game this year. Then small sample size. But the fact that they, I mean, come on. Come on. Uh, folks got to remember he threw zero interceptions his season before, 2,700 passing yards, 28 uh, touchdowns, zero INTs, 1,100 rushing, 14. Exactly. Now. The FCS level, 
We will give them that. But he's not somebody, I think the more he gets comfortable, I don't think we're going to see a high volume of turnovers. Things are going to be just fine. Here we go. I forgot I had a couple super chats in here. Let me get to these. All right, first one. Trey needs to start. He's the type. He's that type. Hold on. Trey needs to start. He's the type that it takes it personally. Uh, he did that by going to North Dakota State and proving Minnesota wrong, saying he can't play quarterback. He's got it. I agree. I agree. Uh, these people are downing this kid like crazy. Trey Lance will take this personal, and that's why he cannot wait uh, for him to start. He's going to shock all. He's going to shock everybody but me. I won't be shocked at all. If Trey looked like Zach Wilson, nobody would talk about him looking, ooh. I mean, you said it. I said it. <laughs> but it is crazy. It's, it is crazy that this narrative that they push on him. And, you know, I was talking about it with Peacock last night, Locked on 49ers. Make sure you guys tune in. I do think that Kyle Shanahan, it, okay, say, say this is all coming from Kyle Shanahan. Say Kyle's like, you know, he's grinning on top. Well, Kyle, you have one of the most complicated offenses in the league. Let, just let him free. Like, let, let him, just let him lose. You know, I watched Kansas City Chiefs and what they did with Mahomes. Different in the sense that Mahomes had a lot of reps throwing the ball, right? I mean, he threw the ball for years over that Texas Tech. I mean, the air raid offense. But Aaron, uh, Chiefs went from, they went from Alex Smith, extremely safe with the ball, to Patrick Mahomes, who... He's a super gunslinger. He lets it rip. And he throws a lot of interceptable passes. And he does some things that I'm pretty sure Andy Reid doesn't agree with. But Andy Reid lets him be him. Be you. You're not, you're not, you're not Alex Smith. I'm not expecting you to only throw five interceptions in the season. You are not Alex Smith. Do your thing. I'm gonna let you let it rip. Even when I see my guy, somebody said that Patrick Mahomes admitted uh, he's still learning to read defenses. He said that like a year or so ago, but it still could be true today. Let it rip. Patrick Mahomes, go ahead. Do your thing. Kyle, take the cuffs off this young guy. Kyle is so anal about everything being a very specific way because he knows that his offense, if ran how he wants, it works at a high level. But listen, Kyle. Everybody, some of these quarterbacks are different. You got to let this guy let it rip. Just like Andy Reid. Andy Reid, I know Andy Reid runs his offense ran a certain way. I know it. And if you run it that way, you can do well. We know that. Alex Smith had the best year of his career with uh, Andy Reid. He ran it at an extremely high, efficient level. Great. Patrick Holmes is completely different than Alex Smith. And I'm pretty sure it took him a while and to understand, I just got to let this kid play. Got to let him play. I think Kyle Shanahan needs to do some of that with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, excuse me, Trey Lance. Let Trey Lance let it rip. He averaged eight and a half yards per attempt. Ten yards per attempt in the Houston game. Like, if this is green, if this is the, the, the greenest of all greens, and this is what I'm looking at, 
See my guy Gammon here. He says, not to the fans, it's up to Shani. It is up to Shani. But what I'm saying to Shani, if I had a conversation with him, Kyle, don't be so like handcuffy. It's not going to be to the extent. Perfect example. Backed up against the goal line. Runs double slants to the left. It's open. It's there. Trey Lance doesn't like it. He moves around, rolls out to his right, throws for a first down. He still made the play. I get it, Kyle. It's not exactly how you drew it up. But he made the play. Let him let it rip. Take the cuffs off the kid. Take it out. Take the cuffs off. <laughs> Take it out. I saw this right here. In it. I agree with uh, Croc 100%. Kyle needs to pop that titty out of his mouth and be a freaking uh, head coach for a change. And I and I think Kyle Kyle is a is a is a legit head coach. I think he's one of the best. But golly, here we go. Um, Jesse, I'm sending it your way in just a second. All right, go ahead. Check your uh, DM on Twitter, Jesse. But yeah, I think Kyle, at times, and, it, and it's hard to say this because he's had so much success, but I think him wanting everything such a specific way is probably the thing that's holding him back from achieving the ultimate goal of which he wants is to be, win the Super Bowl. Matter of fact, hey, who, who am I to say that maybe there's not a little bit more to even a Jimmy Garoppolo? Maybe there was a little bit more. Maybe Kyle just was just too, like, mm, on Jimmy. I got to go back and watch some Jimmy and Patriots. Was Jimmy letting it rip? Here we go. I got my guy Jesse joining me. All right. Jesse, good morning, man. Good morning. Good morning. Look at you got the whole setup change you threw me for a loop this morning didn't expect it yeah you know I, I i had to move it around a little bit someone had suggested a while back they're like crack you're just when the wall is just flat behind you the depth of it or something and i was like you know what let me move some things around quick, <laughs> I feel this, it. Uh, super chat crack i know it's not the sexy topic but we need to focus on the offensive line we were going weak link on the offense uh every other position group is solid trade for a vet uh I will I will touch on this real quick before we get back to the topic, but yeah, offensive line, I think you 100% have to bring back Lincoln Thompson. It's gonna cost some money, whatever it is, but you can't. I'm I'm really big on not creating a bunch of holes. All right. And that is exactly what would happen if you let Thomason walk. Because we don't know what's gonna go, go on with Mac at center. Brusco at right guard. There's a battle between him and Banks, I'm assuming. But Banks didn't even play, so I don't know if they like him. And But you definitely want to prove from uh, Brunsko. And then you have Mike McGlinchey, who tore his hamstring off the bone or his quad off the bone. Not sure what's going to happen with him. There are holes. You can't create more holes by letting Thomason walk. You got to bring him back and figure out everything else. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. The only problem, problem with that, Croc, okay. is that he's probably going to command 12 to $14 million minimum in this market and i don't know if the 49ers i mean at some point you have to make these decisions right like they they brought in banks and jalen moore both to play guard are either or both of them ready i don't know i mean only they would know that but um that's my concern is that he is going to command a lot on the open market you got teams like the Bengals and the dolphins who have way more money than the 49ers do mm. and that's true especially with those uh with those dolphins uh having their new head coach over there, Mike McDaniel. What's up, Jesse? I wasn't able to hop on the call and show last night. 
had to work. But I want to say media needs to calm down, giving me a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's this yeah. is rumor season, man. Bear with it. Yeah. And uh here's another one here. I think I think Kyle's problem is he puts too much confidence in his offense and not enough in the player. That's and and that's what I want to touch on real quick. Got another super chat here from Jerome. We're gonna get back to that last one. I'm a Jimmy Garoppolo fan, but I'm ready for Trey. He will elevate this offense to another level. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo is out here from for a money standpoint. Need that 25 to 27 million to extend Debo and Bosa. I, I'll say this. I feel like I think we always you know, focus like on the money and stuff like that. But they NFL teams do a good job of making more cap space. So if the 49ers absolutely wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around, <laughs> they they could, you know, but I don't know how much he moves the needle and how the 49ers have to win with him. And I think well, they the definitely more, the sooner. They, but, well, I was going to say they definitely could crock because I'm not saying they will, they won't, but they could because when you extend players that year that you extend them, that money doesn't really hit. Like you keep the cap the same. That's the way it works in the contract. So their contracts, even though they're getting paid a lot more, are not going to affect the 49ers anymore this particular season. So that like extending Debo and Bosa really has no bearing on what Garoppolo brings for this year, but he certainly does have a bearing. We just talked about Lake and Tomlinson. But the 49ers also have about 28 million they can free up at any given point if they decide to push any of these contracts back and renegotiate and rework them. Um, Armstead, if they rework his contract, that's about $10 million. They can do the same thing with Jimmy Ward. Now, obviously, that's kicking the can down the street. But with the salary cap going up as much as it will next year and going forward, I would imagine that those are things that they look at if need be. Oh, I can't hear you. My bad. I had myself on mute. Uh, I was stirring my hot chocolate. Didn't want to make too much noise. <laughs> more more banks, Lance, are grinning than we thought with a laughing face. I know, right? I mean, my thing with Trey Lance is I think everybody acts like, and again, maybe everybody just views things different. They act like we didn't see Trey Lance play and that, and that we didn't see the other rookies play as well. And, and they act like we didn't see him progress from what it looked like against the Cardinals to what it looked like against Houston. And they act like we didn't see Houston just a week before destroy the, the Chargers and Justin Herbert and pick sixes and all type of stuff. And then they go play the 49ers. Oh, now it's just, oh, it's just Houston, a team that had got drastically better the second half of the season defensively. And Lovey Smith, who runs the defense, seasoned, uh, seasoned veteran coach, defensive coordinator, uh, just got the head coaching job there. Like, you know, he's a great defensive mind. Like, he's not going to pose challenges for a young rookie quarterback. Uh, it's just a cakewalk because it's Houston. It's really crazy. That's really crazy. Well, I mean, we saw – what didn't Josh Allen and the Bills get held to, like, nine points against Jacksonville? Like, anything can happen. The, these guys are paid just like the 49ers players are. To act as if it's just Houston is – it's so laughable to me. I want to come back to this one. I want to get your thoughts on this. I think Kyle's problem is he puts too much confidence in his offense and they're not enough in the players to this point. Do you, And I want to dig a little deeper here, Jesse. Do you think that that is why he ultimately maybe hasn't gotten the the, 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 the ultimate success that he wants in the sense of winning a Super Bowl? Like just depending so much on 
his scheme to do all the work as opposed to letting the players let it rip. For example, wanting to scheme everything as opposed to getting the ball into Debo Samuel's hands the last 12 minutes of the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game. Debo did not touch the ball the last 12 minutes. Unacceptable. Do you think that has a lot to do with his scheme as opposed to just letting his players, you guys, win me the game? And he thinks that his scheme has to win it all the time. Yeah, I think that there is something to that a little bit. I don't know if it's necessarily keeping him from winning a Super Bowl, but what I can say is, I mean, even Jimmy Garoppolo, for all of his limitations, and we've talked about it a million times over, we don't need to rehash that, but for all of his limitations, even he, during a two-minute drill, is at his best, right? Like, that's when he's free and he's able to just go out and play a little bit of backyard ball. I look at Trey Lance, and I think Trey Lance can be, for Shanahan, what Brett Favre was to Mike Holmgren. And what I mean by that is Mike Holmgren was a lot like Shanahan. He, he had a philosophy. He had an offense. He wanted it ran a certain way. And if you go watch some of those old NFL films, when Brett Favre was playing as a rookie, he drove Holmgren crazy. But he brought an element that Holmgren would have never had if he just let his offense play out the way that it should have. And I think Lance can be that for Shanahan. I think also Shanahan has no choice to let Lance be that because if Lance goes out and does things that he doesn't like, for example, there was the play against the Texans where they were backed up in the end zone. He looks left. He has Kittle on a slant. He ends up rolling out and hitting, I forget, it was Ayuk or whatever. Then he had uh, I or Kittle later on around midfield on a little leak play. He overlooks him, throws downfield. Like Those are things that I know Shanahan is probably coaching him on and talking about it when they go over the film. But those are things that Lance is going to continue to do, and it's going to drive Kyle crazy, I'm sure. But the results will be there. And so I think Trey Lance, over time, will kind of cause Shanahan to loosen up and be a little bit more free in his play calling and give a little bit more autonomy to a guy like Trey Lance as he starts to trust him and they build that relationship together. So I think Trey Lance is very good for Kyle in this aspect. Yeah, and I think it's on Kyle. He's going to have to just loosen up the reins a, a, a little bit, just a little bit, right? I mean, again, I, I go back to Mahomes because that's the that's the example of just the, the clearest thing to me of letting the guy rip. Matter of fact, here's another one, uh, Bill O'Brien, right? Bill O'Brien, for yeah. everybody that acts like Bill O'Brien is just some, like, idiot, he might be from a personnel perspective, but from – and when I say that, I mean, like, just some of the wild trades that he made. But Bill O'Brien, with what he was able to get out of Deshaun Watson, and I don't say, I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson is extremely talented, but Deshaun Watson is much different than the other quarterbacks that Bill O'Brien previously had. And Deshaun Watson, we talk about some of the things, Trey Lance, right? Look at something, I don't want that, move around, make a play on the move. Deshaun Watson, especially coming in, did a lot of those same things until he got more and more comfortable with the quick game. Like, you got to let the guys go through that process, but you have to understand, hey, they'll grow from it, but I don't need to handcuff this guy because at the end of the day, what makes Deshaun Watson great, what made what made the Deshaun Watson-led Houston Texans be able to overcome a 16-0 uh, deficit, deficit against the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs was – you got to let this dude just be him. It yeah. wasn't scheme. It was let it rip, Watson. And Watson started making plays and did the play where he went right, spun out, almost fell, 
threw a dart, like, you know what I'm saying? First down, moving the sticks, <laughs> yeah. they go down, they tie the game up. You sometimes let your guy do some of the winning for you. Here we go. We got some uh, super chats here. Shanahan is a schemer doesn't trust a gamer like Trey. That freestyles uh, with his skills, whereas Jimmy couldn't even spin the turntables. Uh, I see what you did there, freestyle turntables. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, and, and I think we are we are agreeing with that. We're like, Kyle, you can't – and it's clear, all right, just from some of the decisions that Kyle makes and uh, with how he handles his players. It is very clear. And I'm not saying he's wrong. Anything. It's just he's definitely – he likes things a very specific way. And how he got on Brandon Ayuk, and how he came out and said, "Man, if I had anybody else, Brandon Ayuk wouldn't have played as a rookie." A guy that everybody was looking at, and they were like, "Oh, that's the 49ers' best receiver next year. He's going to be so awesome." Well, Kyle didn't like what he saw. Kyle didn't even want him out there. And if Kyle had a healthy Debo Samuel and maybe a healthy Sanu or whoever the hell else, Ayuk would not have gotten the love that the, the run that he got, which ultimately. He was very productive, one of the top productive rookies in the league to the point where everybody, especially in the fantasy world, they're like, oh, we love IU. That's the guy, breakout season coming up. Kyle's like, no, he's not going to have a breakout season because he's not doing things exactly the way that I want him to do it. Even if he's being productive, I don't care about any of that. Now, I'm not saying Kyle went about it the wrong way because ultimately something clicked for IU and he's doing things the way Kyle wants to do it now, whatever. But that's just the mindset of Kyle and how he thinks. And I think sometimes, man, he makes it he makes it pretty tough on some of his players. Do you have anything on, on that? Yeah, one? he. I mean, he has an he definitely has an old school mentality. And I think a lot of people look at him uh, wearing Yeezys and flat build hats and all that, and they think, oh, you know, he's he's like the cool guy, right? Um, he's a players coach, and and I think he is to a certain extent. But he definitely wants things ran a certain way. And if you look at his father, right? Great example. His dad wasn't that locked down with guys like Steve Young and John Elway, but we're talking about all-time greats. As soon as he got Plummer, we saw what Plummer said about his dad. Like he couldn't even breathe without being criticized of how that breath was taken. So, you know, it just depends on if the trust is there. But, you know, to that last uh, comment, again, Shanahan doesn't have the choice. Like Trey is going to grow and Trey's going to make these mistakes. And Trey is going to be the reason that ultimately Kyle either fails or succeeds long-term with San Francisco. And so with that being said, he's tied to Trey. He may not like it, but that's why I think Trey ultimately can bring the best out of Kyle and get him to grow as a um, as a coach and relinquish some of that and trust Trey over time. Right, and now um, what do you think about this? Uh, package Jimmy Garoppolo and a pick in Trey for a high-quality offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I listen, if if Lakin goes and let's say McGlinchey can't come back, you're remaking minimum three-fifths of that offensive line on the fly. If Mac retires, now you're in a whole world of hurt. So, yeah, they they have to do what they need to do to protect Trey Lance. He's the asset. You cannot have a situation like Burrow or Andrew Luck, even though he can protect himself you know, better than a lot of these guys, he still needs some continuity there. And one great left tackle by himself cannot get it done. So whatever they need to do to make that happen, I say do it. I mean, I trust them to either sign or trade for an offensive lineman more than I do to draft a solid offensive lineman. Now, if we're talking about linebacker, I trust them to draft a linebacker all day long. 
but uh, we we haven't really seen it with the offensive line. So yeah, I would trust them to make a move for an offensive lineman a lot more than I would drafting one. Yeah, I like McGlinchey though. I, McGlinchey, I think he takes a lot of heat because he's not. It's tough sometimes when you're drafted number nine overall, that's, and that's you're supposed to be like, you know, he's supposed to be <laughs> Trent Williams, and it's like, well, I'm not Trent Williams, but. I do think he's consistently been one of the better run, run blockers in the NFL, one of the top guys at his position, which I think essentially that's kind of what they drafted him for. Because if they just wanted a pass protector, they would have kept Trent Brown, who kind of lacked a little bit in the run blocking aspect of things, but was terrific as a pass pr protector. Um, also, I think it's like, do they want to pay him? How, you know, how, how – discipline is he and some of the things well he had discipline issues then yeah you're yeah. right weight issues and all that that was a whole like that trent brown versus what you see today are two two different guys like he's answered all those questions but schematically he didn't fit things he was much bigger now i do find it interesting that schematically like they are tending to start drafting these bigger more bully style guys rather than than zone uh zone guys we'll see how it works or or what the plan is there but I think it would be interesting if they start to implement more of a power scheme after going away from that when they had the option to do that with Brown there. All right, shout out to my guy, Brady Hill. He says, uh, thanks for being the man you are, true inspiration. I think he's talking about you, Jesse. Yeah, yeah no, no, he's not. <laughs> Appreciate the love, Brady. Uh, how, do you have 30 minutes to hang, hang out? Yeah, I'm do good, man. Let's go. Busy? Yeah, I'm good. All right, here we go. So what we're going to do now, we're going to put the – Link in the chat so you can come on live. Any questions you have for Jesse or myself, uh, feel free. Let it rip. This is your time. We have some typical, some guys that typically call in. Shout out to my guy. Man, I had a great conversation about the cornerback position. And again, the floor is yours right now, y'all. So whatever y'all want to talk about, we can get away from the quarterbacks. We could talk about things you would want to do in the draft. We could talk about things that, you know, receiver position, cornerbacks. Andrew, whatever it is that y'all want to talk about, the floor is yours. There's a link right there in the chat. So, you know, feel free to come on and speak whatever's on your mind. Here we go. We got one person coming on already. All right. We got George. George, good morning, man. How you doing? Uh, hang on. Hang on real quick. Let me, let me fix my... All right. He's the one that just gave you the super chat a few minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, man. Shout out to my guy, George, man. All right, George, you, you good? You're muted, George. You got me now? Yeah, gotcha. we got you. Y'all got me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, no, we can't hear you now. All right, hold on, George. George, you got to get the audio right. We're going to get to the next caller here. <laughs> All right, get your audio right, George. We're going to bring you right back on. All right, we got my guy Gammon coming on. Gammon's always coming on and puts things in perspective, even for me. So, Gammon, I know you've probably been tuned in for most of the show. What are some of your thoughts on what we've been talking about or anything else you want to speak on? Well, um, I guess, number one, welcome to uh, the offseason, the tampering season. Uh, this is people who kind of get caught up in the, you know, oh, no, not this again, Trey Lance and that sort of thing, like – this is kind of what happens. But I am going to say, though, at least just from my perspective, um, I, it feels like the the draft. And, you know, Jesse, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, too. 
But last year's draft where there was the whole conversation about, you know, are we going to get Trey Lance? Are we going to get, uh, you know, Fields? Or are we going to we're going to end up with like Max Jones, you know, and it just feels like that. It feels like that was just like last week now where it should have been like a year ago. But I just feel the waves of just like I'm like, oh, my gosh, like that was literally last week, you know. And I was just wondering if you guys kind of felt like that that wave as well at all. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like every offseason brings its own different things. I feel like these last two offseasons, more than any I can remember in a long time, and maybe it's just because, you know, I started this whole podcast thing around this time last year, but I feel like these last two offseasons are a little bit more tumultuous than what they have been in the past. And I think it's all centers around Trey Lance, right? Obviously, they who were they going to draft last year? That was the question. And then we find out it's Trey Lance. And now it's, well, are they going to start him or are they going to sit him? It just seems to stem from that quarterback situation. I would assume, and we'll see, it's the 49ers. They drive content down our throats all the time, which is fantastic for us that create that content. But that being said, you know, the once they figure out that quarterback position or let us know what that answer is with the quarterback position i think they won't calm down no i know i understand but my question is this like do you think do you think once they make a a decision on not a decision but once they trade garoppolo and you know let's say brady doesn't come here or brady does come here let's but let's say he doesn't come here they trade garoppolo um at that point we know trey lance is starting do you think things calm down a little bit because i feel like they do i don't know when that is that could be in April or May at this point, we don't know when that's going to happen, but when that day ultimately comes, I think that's when things calm down a little bit. Uh, hold on I, real quick. You know, I'll answer it real quick, Gammon. I don't think so because I think the only thing that's going to happen is the Brady stuff is going to heat up. So now, I mean, Jimmy just opens the door 100% for it's like Jimmy kicks the door open. Once he's traded, he kicks the door open for everybody to have the Tom Brady to the 49ers talk. And that's who's going to be the next quarterback. So, but I, I, ha- I have a thought start. about that, Croc. I, I think that that, like, we have to have answers to that sooner than later. This whole, oh, I may come back in six months, like, that's not going to work because the whole structure of the offseason changes depending on whether Brady comes or not. If Brady comes, that's more money spent and allocated to the quarterback position than what we're expecting today. It also means that you have to bring in Brady's guys. You're bringing in a bunch of veterans on one-year deals to try to go all in and win a Super Bowl versus signing guys to multiple-year deals in hopes that they can grow with this team and grow with Trey Lance. So I think I think that decision has to be made sooner than later, in my opinion. And I also feel like Tom Brady's the type of guy like a lot of people are like, well, I could see him, you know, sitting it out and then waiting till the middle of the training camp or right before the season starts. Absolutely not. Tom Brady's a perfectionist. He's the type of guy, in my opinion, that wants to figure things out early so he can hit the ground running, learn his new teammates and figure that out. I also think that there's a possibility that Tom Brady, if he comes out, he's actually looking at the Raiders as much as he would be the 49ers. I mean, let's think about that for a second. Um, he's got his old offensive coordinator over there. The Raiders actually have a quarterback in car that fits Tampa Bay's system a hell of a lot better than what the 49ers have in Garoppolo. I think that there's an outside chance that the Raiders are the team that he actually looks to go to. I I kind of agree with with, with both of you, but but differently. Croc, when you said, you know, I don't think that it's going to calm down, I was kind of looking at the, our, the 49ers as a fan base. When has it ever been calm? You know, regardless. Yeah, <laughs> 
Um, but also, too, um, I, I was thinking about it, you know, as far as all the quarterbacks that, that are available, I think there's like a good 15 that are possibly available. You know, you've got uh, Garner Minshew. Uh, when people – I hear the reports saying that, hey, um, you know, there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers could go to – you know, Mike Florio's report. There's a chance, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers could go to, to the 49ers. And I'm going like Aaron Rodgers makes $46 million a year. We're talking about we're, we're cap-strapped to the point we don't know if we can give – like in Thompson, twelve million. You know, Aaron Rodgers makes as much as Tom as Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo combined. You know, Tom Brady made twenty million. Jimmy Garoppolo made twenty six million. Uh, Aaron Rodgers made forty six million. There, there's not enough. And and to your point, Jesse, when you said, you know, we don't if we can't even afford, or we're talking about it's good, we're going to struggle to pay, like in Thompson, twelve, thirteen million a year. How are we going to be able to bring on uh, another contract and uh, for twenty million? And then how are we going to protect a forty-seven-year-old signal caller behind a a paper-thin offensive line? We have no right side. And then you you get rid of uh, Lake and Tomlinson. I don't know how much of a of a, of a left side that we have uh, either. But just looking at all that, um, you know, I, I think that's a big issue. And then people want to talk about we need corners. I think we need to draft some in the in the middle round, third, fourth round. Um, I think is fair, but if if Forty Nineers fans want to be upset about the corners that the Forty Nineers have, I think you should be upset about the uh, cornerbacks that the Forty Nineers don't have. I wish we still had Spoon, and I don't know why they didn't protect DJ Reed when DJ Reed got taken. Like, if you really want to be upset, uh, DJ Reed would be a much better nickel uh, corner because um, I think it's all about how you play your division um i don't think um Kayvon williams he's great uh, around the line of scrimmage but he can't cover those post corner routes at all that we see cooper cup just kill us on Devonte adams just kill us on uh and i don't i i have high f- ex- expectations for D- uh ambry thomas but diamador lenore i i just don't he doesn't neither of those two guys how, they have cover speed, but not recover speed. And that's something that you need, in, I think, in the slot to cover guys like Cup or, or Adams or some of these other guys. But if we would have kept Reed, that's huge. And then and then if we had Spoon still with Mostert, I, I'm curious for you guys, uh, especially for both of you guys, how did that not work out with Spoon? Why is it we have such a tight-knit community as far as what I hear about in the locker room, but there was a falling out from Spoon and then how did how did they have that? I think that was one of the biggest blunders that's not really talked about a lot about how we didn't secure or keep DJ Reed like that. It blows my mind. It absolutely blows my I, mind. I, I, here's the thing about Spoon in that whole situation from from my perspective, because right now I don't know what Tomlin did. And again, we could say it didn't work with Fortnite. It also whatever the Seahawks saw, it didn't work with them either with with a spoon. But what but whatever. Pittsburgh has done with him. He's he's like as as Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I got some people like Spoon is trash, couldn't cover. All right, as Pittsburgh Steelers fans right now, what they think about Witherspoon, and they just had him this year. Ask any Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Hey, do y'all think y'all should re-sign Witherspoon? I, you'll get a one hundred percent yes from any Steelers fan you ask. He played lights out. He played lights out for Pittsburgh. Now. As far as pertains to the 49ers, again, I I think the way you can't you can't knock Kyle Shanahan for the ways that he runs things. 
uh, he's been to two NFC Championship games the last uh, three years, including a Super Bowl. All right. But I think he coaches a certain way that not everyone takes to it. They don't take well to, to his style. Right. Just like Jesse brought up uh, Jake Plummer with Mike Shanahan. And hey, Mike Shanahan worked great for Steve Young and those guys. Mike Shanahan, not so great for a plumber who's like, I never felt like I was good enough. And different personalities, maybe the same with the Kelly Witherspoon, how, hey, they didn't know how to get the most out of him or to get him to be consistent. I thought there were more times than not Witherspoon played very well. He would have some weird moments in games. How they handled that in-house, I don't know. But I know one thing, whatever Pittsburgh is doing with him, he has been lights out. You will not hear one bad thing about Witherspoon from Pittsburgh Steelers fans, organizations. He's the main guy they want to sign. Matter of fact, I was on a Spaces last night listening with uh, Joy Taylor talking. And there was a Steelers fan that came on. And she said priority number one is to re-sign Akella Witherspoon. Priority wow. number one. So y'all can say whatever, but whatever they're doing in, in, in Pittsburgh is really working for him. And they ran a lot of man. Uh, and there were even people that are like, hey, get Joe Hayden out of here. A Witherspoon's taking the spot. Like that. It was like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Now, as far as DJ Reed, it was the injury thing. And I think maybe kind of like Richie James this year, right? Richie James kind of let go with the whole injury thing or whatever. And he James had a back. really bad off season though, or a uh, training camp. Like he was, that was uh, from the reports. It sounded like Richie James was, uh, it was pretty rough. Well, yeah, and, but I mean, so, but I'm saying he came back as far as DJ Reed though, he had yep. the injury, he had the torn, uh, uh, torn chest muscle or whatever the case is. And they thought, you know what? Uh, not going to play this year or most of the year. Let's put him on IR. We'll get him back. And Seahawks was like, nope. And he ended up uh, starting a bunch of games for Seattle. So, you know, it, it's tough. You, you take some gambles. And I'd say in the moment, they probably didn't think they were, they were losing much. But when you start to kind of dwindle down on depth, you start to miss guys like that that can come in and start. Croc, I have a, I have a question for you regarding corners. And, and I think you're right about Reed. If I remember correctly, like they thought he would clear waivers. That was a gamble they took and it, it didn't work out that way, right? Um, but when it comes to the cornerback position specifically my thought is like i think it's the most volatile spot in all of football because first of all it's arguably the hardest position in all of sports right the most athletic guys in all of sports play corner in my my opinion but it's also so scheme dependent you get guys coming out of college that play a certain scheme and it works well with them and then they get thrown into something completely different when they get to the nfl they're thrown to the wolves it doesn't work out. That scheme doesn't fit their their skill set. And then, you know, you see them kind of bounce around the league. Maybe somebody else gives them a shot and then they hit, right? And all, well, they were always good. Like it's revisionist history. Like I feel like corner more than anything is so dependent on does your skill set fit that scheme? And are you in a position to succeed? Because regardless of Spoon's skill set, maybe what the 49ers ran didn't fit his skill set. Maybe what Seattle ran didn't fit his skill set, but he gets over into Pittsburgh and all of a sudden they're running something that does fit his skill set. I just feel like that position more than any is so dependent on skill set fitting with the scheme. Do you agree or disagree? 
I, I do agree. And I think if they are a team that ran a lot of like two man, and I don't know what Pittsburgh is running, but I thought that the 49ers had terrific corners for some two man type stuff. I think Akilah Witherspoon is a guy that challenges guys, especially underneath, and he can run vertically with guys. Let him play a lot of two man, let him play man. Once you start putting the killer with his spoon off, he's a guy with much longer movements. It's not as ideal. And the 49ers, I, I don't think they're playing Ambry Thomas right. I think Ambry Thomas is someone that needs to play at the line of scrimmage. And he primarily is playing off. I don't think that's what suits Ambry Thomas best. Matter of fact, that you know, you hear Kyle Shanahan come out and talk about how, man, what I saw in training camp or whatever, I never would have thought we'd be to this point where he's, you know, winning or closing out a game with an interception. Well, of course, because y'all have been playing him this whole time, which is completely opposite of what he did at Michigan. Right. At Michigan, he was a press man corner, and even in zone coverages, he was in press alignment. And y'all took him away from that and had him doing more things where he playing off. That is not his true strong suit. So he's continuing to play that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how he continues to improve in whatever it is they're asking him to do. But – I think that is part of it. Uh, Gammon, any last statements? I'm going to get you out of here because we got a bunch of callers lined up, and I'm going to start getting some of these callers. Absolutely. Uh, just to close out as far as on the Tom Brady stuff, and I'm going to I'm gonna leave before you, uh, before you, I listen to you guys answer this question, but did you guys get a chance to watch uh, Jimmy Ward's uh, IG live? Uh, and and he kind of talked about some of that. Thank you so much, guys. Both of you guys. You guys rock. Appreciate you, my guy. Did you watch? I, I didn't watch it. I saw it. But I was like, I just saw the video of people cutting little segments. I haven't watched any of it yet. Have you seen any of it? Yeah, I actually, I was I was on a live yesterday or doing a show when it came out and somebody told me to go watch it. So I did. Yeah, first of all, I love Jimmy Ward. The fact that he like wants all the smoke, calling out Tyreek Hill, can't wait to play Kelsey. He's going to hold him under 50 yards. Like he's bookmarking that game for next year already. I love that he puts that pressure on himself. And, um, so that's number one, but yeah, he was asked about the Brady thing and he's like, listen, I, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think that Brady's necessarily coming out of retirement. Um, he just, he didn't really put a lot of thought into it. It's not something that's occupying any, anything in his mind at, at this moment. It didn't seem like. We got, got my guy, Chris said, do you acting like spoon and remove the needle? I, I don't think they move the needle. I think spoon they're right. And again, I don't think any corner. Again, you got to remember who you're talking to, right? I've been fighting this battle by myself about the cornerback <laughs> position and how tough it is. And I like, Jesse, how you came on and you spoke about, like, man, it is hard to play the cornerback position. And it it can be scheme dependent. And, you know, the tough thing about cornerback, you can have – there's 70 plays in the game. You can have 68 good plays. And if you have two bad plays, those that's what's going to stand out the most in fans' minds. Probably the same with Mike McGlinchey who Mike McGlinchey, he might have 50 great pass sets. And in that one time he whiffs, it's like, he's trash. Look at him on his back. Look at him on the ground. He can't play. I think offensive line and corner are two of the same because you only notice when they do something bad. Well, and you and you have right? to play every down. It's not like, like a wide receiver, right? Like you're not noticed a lot. You're only noticed when the ball's thrown your way or running back. You're only noticed when the ball's handed off to you. But all those other positions, like corner, uh, offensive line, defensive line, like you're a part of almost every single snap. So the likelihood of you getting beat or not doing your job once or twice in a game is extremely high. And when it happens at the corner position, 
usually you're making some sort of highlight on ESPN and you know, it's, that's all people remember. But when you watch a player play in and play out, that's not always the case. Like sometimes these guys are really good. They just get beat a player two, and that should happen to every corner. I mean, we just saw it happen in the Super Bowl to arguably the best corner in the game. He got cooked. Right. We got my guy. And as a matter of fact, and even then, we saw those plays where he got cooked. Not a lot of attention to the plays where Jalen Ramsey played extremely well and was like smothering guys and locked down. But it's like, no, we noticed the deep ball to Higgins. We noticed a couple of plays to Chase. Everybody don't notice all the other times where there was no separation. Guys are strapped. Uh, near pick in the end zone. We don't talk about that. All right. And that's just the tough part about, you know, playing the cornerback position. I see somebody in the, in here and shout out to my guy right here. He says, hot take, drop red, sign Crocker. I'm, I'm probably just <laughs> a cover two corner at this time. You don't want to uh, sign me, but uh, my guy here, I don't care. You need a dog at cornerback, period. And you do. You it's do. True. And, and, and I'll tell you who is a dog at corner. I think Embry Thomas. When I watch Ambry Thomas and his mannerisms and how he carries himself, he carries himself like a dog. He goes in there, he throws his body around the tackle, but that doesn't mean that you're a shutdown guy. And I don't know if those there are more. There, the league is made up of ninety percent Ambry Thomases and five percent terrible guys, and five percent or less Jalen Ramseys. There's ninety percent are more of what the 49ers have a cornerback, no matter what team you watch. There are a few guys that have elite ability. And even those guys, again, like you talked about with Jalen Ramsey, has his moments where it's not great. And it, it, did you watch – how many of y'all watched the Rams versus the Bucks? And what oh, happened yeah, in that I, game? I watched – And what did you mean, see those, from Jalen Ramsey in the Rams and Bucks game? There was a lot of calls that was not called for the corners, and Jalen Ramsey got a lot of uh, he got he got abused on a, on a lot of those plays. I mean, like the rest was not even looking at uh, clear holding by the face mask by oh, no, uh, no, by the, the Bengals the, receiver. That's the Super Bowl. That's the Bengals. I'm talking about the game before that, the Bucks game. Oh, oh, the the, the, the yeah yeah yeah. I mean, he was, he was playing press man, and he still got beat over top with with no. He had no help on over, over top. That's what I mean. Like it's hard to, to play press man now because you're not allowed to physically put your hand on the receiver as much as you used to back in the old days. Like back on the, yeah. in like 2012, he was playing more Ramsey, press man, trying to yeah. Go, go ahead. Ramsey was getting bombed on. Ramsey was getting abused by Mike Evans the week before. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's that's the crazy part about the cornerback position is like narratives where. Because of Ramsey, I love Ramsey. He's my favorite corner to watch. I love Ramsey. Same here. But it's like we throw they throw Ramsey's name out there. Like we didn't just see him get abused in two of the biggest games of the year for the the for the Rams against the but against, got bombed on. He he damn near. I mean, bombed on by Mike Evans, and Mike Evans was abusing mm-hmm. him throughout that game, and then he got bombed on in the Super Bowl. So. The, the perfect cornerback that I think people are looking for does not exist. Yeah, there's no more shut, – shutdown does not exist in the, in the NFL at all. The definition of shutdown have changed from Revis' time. Like, Revis Island was considered – I mean, Revis was considered a shutdown corner because that was a different time that they were in that you allowed more uh, – you, you allowed more to press the receiver off the line of scrimmage and put your hands on them more. 
in this new mm-hmm. NFL, in this new, in this new, in, in, I mean, in this new NFL, the man, uh, a shutdown corner does not exist at all. So the definition of shutdown does not even matter anymore. You got to have a good corner, or you got to have a serviceable corner that can make big plays. But the thing, I, but the thing I want to say is, I honestly think that the media is making all. I really think the team that that's trying to, that is really trying to push the bargain. The not like I think another team won Trey Lance, and the Niners are not trying to give up Trey Lance. That's what they they're trying to give out the, the narrative that he's not he's raw. I honestly think that this is all a slow screen. I'm just feeling that. All right, and what what do you think it's a smoke screen for? Because I think there I think another team is is negotiating to try to get Trey Lance, not Jimmy G. They're mainly trying to get Trey Lance from underneath the Niners. And the Niners are not trying to hand over Trey Lance at all. And they're trying to give them Jimmy G. And the media is trying to tell every single team in the, in the, in the NFL that Trey Lance is raw. But obviously, people know that Trey Lance is not raw. The other teams know they have seen Trey Lance play. And they're trying hard to get Trey Lance, not Jimmy G. I don't think Jimmy G is the main piece that's really – a team is after. I think they're really after Trey Lance, a hundred percent. That's why I'm because you've been hearing a lot of hatred towards Trey Lance going out all over media, all over everybody, saying that this kid is raw. He's not ready to, to play. He's not good enough. He he can't execute the offense. He can't he he can't do this. He can't do that. I think really it's all a smoke screen, man. They're trying to get Trey Lance, and the Niners are not trying to hand him over. That's honestly yeah, what I'm, I'm thinking. I'm just feeling All that. Right. That's what I've been hearing. I'm just hey, feeling George, like just by the way that they're, 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 they're talking, they're after Trey Lance, not Jimmy G. Nobody, who honestly got one Jimmy G? <laughs> Some teams will want, want him. George, I'm going to get you off of here. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on. You kind of look like Meek Mill. All right, I'm going to get you off <laughs> All right, bro. Take All care. Right. Hey, hey, somebody, somebody uh, when George first came on, somebody said he looked like he won something. <laughs> <laughs> he was hella happy. Um, shout out to my guy George. That's what's up. All right, we got Medic Mike in here about to come in here and drop some knowledge. I should have had you on when Gammon was on because last uh last time we were on, man, that was gold. But what's good, man? I appreciate it. How y'all fellas doing, man? Great, oh, man. man. Doing Great. Good. Doing good. Good, good. I mean, since we're talking about corners, let's let's keep on it. Um, yeah, the cor- corner is the technically hardest position to play, I think, in any sports. I mean, when you talk about the footwork, uh, what it takes, your eye discipline, I mean, and then if you're pressing your your hands and where you're placing them, it's it's a very difficult position to play. When I was actually – actually, when I was playing for San Diego State, the Vikings coach now, Kevin O'Connell, was the quarterback. And they had this receiver who was drafted by the uh, Chiefs, Jeff Webb. And uh, I remember, like, just trying to guard them. And when I was learning new techniques, when I was – this was my first year there – and trying to learn this stuff, man, I, I got hit with a push-pull at one point, and I remember getting schooled on some of this stuff. And it takes it takes a lot of practice repetitions, and you have to see and experience these things. So, Jesse, when you were talking about, you know, a corner being put in the right position, I hey, think Hey, real quick, Manic Mike, someone said you sound like Lewis Riddick, and I 100% <laughs> agree, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But um, I, I 100% agree with you, Jesse. I can't you unhear be- it now. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm talking to Lewis Riddick now, but go ahead. 
Hey, hopefully I got that much money in my pocket one day. <laughs> but um, you got to be put in a position to succeed in a position that you're you're comfortable with. Like me personally, I was comfortable either pressing because you can feel those like micro movements of the receiver, almost like yeah. boxing. You see these very small twitches or you just feel them and you know where they're going to move and you shadow that movement. I was also comfortable in zone because I was a cerebral player. I like knowing alignments i like knowing coaches tendencies like okay you're lined here depending on what's going we played a lot of cover three but in certain things you your two receiver was your read and so anyway but um it's a very technically uh, difficult position and they have to be put in the right position to succeed and so when you look at dudes like spoon um one thing i think that was maybe a coaching or personality thing because had points. He was playing real well where his confidence was up. He was locking dudes down. And there was a time when him and Sherman were on the field where I was like, Spoon looks like the best corner on our team. And then he got, I remember he got hurt. And I don't know if it was his confidence or whatever, but he never kind of looked the same after that. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Your corner, it's it's very dependent on the person, you know, the schemes, what they're comfortable with, what they're used to, and, and how you position them. Um, I also heard you, Croc, you and Peacock talking about Stevie Johnson. I played with him in high school. Yeah. Yeah. He went to uh, Angelo Rodriguez High, and he was bigger and faster than that. He was sophomore year. He was um, like 6'2", 190. So, I mean, <laughs> he was 15 years old, bigger than all of us. It was um, We went to a school called Rodriguez High. It was the first year it opened. And he's coaching there now, right? He's the head coach there, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. And so I had the first pick on that uh, home field. You know, I'm just saying, just saying. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was the first year it opened. And um, I remember we used to go because they had him playing running back, quarterback. He really didn't play receiver much until and really not in the games at all. It was really in practice. And uh, I remember every time he lined up at receiver, like I, I got that competitive drive too. I'm like, come on, I'm come on. We're going we're gonna to line up. We're going to line up. And, we used to go back and forth. He did moss the shit out of me one time. Excuse my language. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he had uh, he always had uh, this back basketball background, so his release off the line was crazy. Um, it, it was like he was crossing you over, like, right when he was getting off. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's it, – corners are very uh, – it's a very it's, – it's a dope position. Um, I love, like, the technicality. It's almost like, like I said, like boxing or, like, dancing. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, like just looking at the boxing aspect, like a lot of guys are either really good in a phone booth, kind of like what you're talking about with pressing, or they like to maintain their distance and and create that distance with their jab. There's that dead space, that middle space, and that's the hardest spot in boxing to really be an expert at. And And when you can figure that out or you can master that, that's where a lot of guys take off in boxing. And so I imagine that it's very similar with corner is, kind of figuring out that middle ground and, and filling that dead space is what you would call it in boxing. Yep. Yeah, and you yeah. got to take your lumps and get repetitions to be comfortable in that space. All right, Mike, Mike, man, we're going to get you out of here and get the next caller on. I appreciate you calling in. Uh, thanks for having me on Croc. All right, here we go. Next up, we got Will coming on. Will, Will you there? All right, he's there, man. What's good, man? Good morning. Hey, what's going on? Oh, man, uh, I'm the guy who keeps uh, calling in about the offensive line. <laughs> um, All good. Can you hear me? All good. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. 
Yeah, so I keep calling in about the offensive line because, uh, you know, I can hear people talk about defensive line uh, and uh, defensive backs. But the only question mark on our team right now is, is really the offensive line. And we have a young quarterback coming in. So I don't think that it's going to be good to have young guards. Or, you know, and uh, our question at right tackle. Sorry, I'm remodeling my bathroom, so I'm up, up, up and down the stairs. All good. Um, I really think that that's what we need to do. I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to try to trade uh, the same way that we did for Lakin or what we did for Trent Williams. I understand we can't get Trent Williams quality, but that needs to be really priority number one. We don't need necessarily like our wide receivers are good. Our running back room is fine. The only weakness on the team is really going to be that offensive line. Even the defense. The defense has been great for at least three years now with, you know, top 10, you know, top five type numbers. And uh, D'Amico's great. So what really needs to happen here is being able to ensure that Lance has enough time and um, protection to be able to do what he's going to do. Because if people think he's not ready now, when he's running around the field trying to scramble away from, from pressure and forcing throws to make a play, to make a name for himself, he's going to throw picks. And then it's going to look. And that's really what it looked bad. like with Josh Allen. And it's going to, it's going to push I, I, Yeah. I, I came on exactly, here talking about exactly. Josh Allen and I, I picked a random game to watch. And it just happened to be the fourth game of the season. He was playing against Green Bay Packers. And it was some of the worst quarterbacking I've ever seen. But a lot of it was just him trying to make plays. And he's trying to, and he's just running out of the pocket and he's getting sacked and he's throwing the ball backwards and he's doing all kinds of random stuff. Then throwing it deep five yards yeah. over everybody's heads. And it was just like, man, this kid has no clue about what's going on. But sometimes that can happen when you're just trying to figure it out and make up for other areas that aren't as strong. Well, I'm nervous about that happening with Trey, right? Because, I mean, with the biggest – Lakin might go, right? We're gonna, and he priced himself out of, of, our, uh, of our range, right? Specific, our, that's what's supposed to uh, – McGlinchey might not come back for about half the season. We don't know. And you're going to – you might have – more you may have banks, but they haven't really proven anything. I mean, they might work better in the Trey Lance scheme that Shanahan wants to do, but um, we don't know yet, right? So, and then Mac may retire. So, like all these question marks across the board. If they all come back, okay, we have an average, below average line. Other than Trent, nobody's a staple. So, that's really what needs to be, you know, focused on in this offseason. I know it's not the sexy pick. Everyone wants the receiver to stretch the field, but we have a good receiver group. I mean, how many targets? There's only so many targets to go around, and our running game, like we we ran the ball well last year, but it wasn't like that great. We just happened to run it thirty five times. So, you know, if we can up that yards per carry, uh, offensive line is going to end up, you know, being what what makes that happen. Not just having the quarterback option that could run, because I know that's what Grant says a lot that Trey is going to end up making the run game better. But we need the offensive line. The DBs are fine. You can get, you know, I know you talk about uh, Lenore being in the slot more often and Thomas more man to man if they play him more how he's you know supposed to be played that he'll end up improving yeah we're okay if you want to end up making that a third and fourth priority and getting you know better defensive back like we don't need a lockdown quarter. well we need a lockdown quarter but everybody needs a lockdown quarter like you guys were saying they don't exist so it's kind of far-fetched to think that you can just go in and where you're going to spend money on stefan gilmore instead of trying to bring in a high quality right guard and sure up that position or make sure you have a backup for mcglinchy that can plug and play and I, I brought up the comment. I was the super chat that said, you know, try to trade Jimmy and a pick and go get yourself somebody. I don't like, I, I think Indy has a good line or Pittsburgh have a good line. Like they may need a quarterback. Try to yeah. package that and get one of their guys that are, you know, towards the end of their contract or something like that. Like that's what really needs to happen 
to and and I think that the Niners will because they love the trenches. Like that's what they invest in. They've invested in the defensive line. And uh, I think that offensive line is where they'll try. I know they tried with Banks, but having a young guard, if it was Brady coming in, I can deal with the young guards. But if it's Trey, he's going to need even, – even Brady needs protection, but it's imperative. It's vital that Trey has protection. And then even for Mitchell. Right. For a guy like, that know, doesn't know how to get the ball in his hands as he has a lot quick. Of yeah, with Jimmy, it wasn't that big of a deal because he's firing it off, right, even if it's – a pick or whatever the case is, but with the one read and and blast it off, Trey's going to hold the ball and, and he's going to need to hold the ball. And that's why you're going to see a lot of scrambles and stuff like that. That's kind of why it was, you know, it was uh, oil and water last year. And I think that's a lot of why he didn't play because they weren't prepared to protect for somebody like that. Um, and it's just a theory or whatever the case is, but I'm interested to hear your guys' perspective on that. And, uh, you know, I think that it really needs to, that narrative needs to be pushed. We need offensive linemen. And I don't think you should get it in the draft because it's been proven that they're not, you know, they may not be capable of getting or, or identifying who that needs to be. Go get yourself a proven veteran like you did with Lakin. I mean, look, we got Lakin from Detroit, I believe, and he ended up playing so well that he priced himself out of our range. Do that again. Go go that route again. And it's really going to – if you want sustained success and not just a one-off Super Bowl, and then, I mean, I get the Super Bowl would be great, right? But there's no guarantees. Because although the NFC is going to be a little bit weaker this year, we still got the Rams yeah. in our division. Seattle's always a pain in the ass. And uh, Arizona, you know, we don't know, but they have good pass rushers. So our division is stacked with, you know, above average pass rushing. And we really need that to be what what we need to focus on this year. Yes, sir. All right, we'll, we'll go get to the next caller, man. I appreciate you calling in. All right. All right. One thing I like, I like about what Will said, man, uh, about addressing that line and making it to where, you know, Trey Lance isn't trying to run around as much to try to figure out and make plays. And I do think there is one player who is young on the roster right now that would probably help, and that is Aaron Banks. For everything Aaron Banks mm -hmm. isn't as a good movement guy, he's a wall when it comes to pass protection. So if you just want to say, I wish it was almost like, uh, you know, other positions, receivers, tight ends, uh, pass rush guys where they like have a specialty and we know offensive line doesn't work that way. But if it's like, Hey, it's third down. We are passing the ball. Go play right guard, Aaron Banks. I think he'd be terrific in that role because he is hard to get around. But uh, unfortunately you got to be much better than just one play out of the drive. Uh, yeah. Guard, I think uh, it, go ahead. yeah, Real quick. I, I think it was a well thought out um, put together take and this was an unpopular opinion then, and I know it's unpopular now, and obviously we can't go back, but back when Trent Williams was demanding all that money, I was big on actually letting him walk, signing uh, Corey Lindsley, who was with the Packers at the time, coming off of an all-pro season, um, anchoring that center position for years to come, and building out that way, because the cost of, of Lindsley going forward and the age of Lindsley was so much so that it was it was like half of what you're gonna pay um Trent Williams and he's three four years younger well you know fast forward of course you know Trent Williams has one of the best ever seasons as a left tackle but Lindsley was another he he made the pro Bowl again I mean so you know what I mean like there are multiple ways that they could have built it out i I felt like you know paying just that one premium position was was something they probably had to do. But it was something that I preferred that they didn't do, and and they actually made that center spot the premium position built out from there. 
Um, and we'll see how they they attack it going forward. Yeah, they gotta keep that going. Roscoe's, what's good, man? You on? Roscoe's. What's up, Croc? How's it going? Oh, there you go. What's good, man? Good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, gotcha. Oh, you know, I'm blessed. Oh, it's a little delay, I guess. Oh, snap! My phone about to die. Hold on, real quick. Boom! <laughs> Puts the charger in there. That was clutch. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Uh, why do fans come on here and cry about the past? I felt like we should have kept uh, DJ Reed, which, you know, when I seen DJ Reed in preseason, I thought he stunk. And then uh, as far as Keela Witherspoon, he, his last his last year with the Niners, his last, what, I think two to three games was the best I've seen him play since the start of 2019. So I understand. But at the end of the day, the Niners didn't need them. We went to an NFC, like you said, Crop. We went to an NFC championship. We went to a Super Bowl without DJ Reed. Uh, Kawan Williams, and, and people harp on Kawan Williams too much, and this annoys the heck out of me. He's actually was one of the best nickel corners for a while. This season, maybe not. But at the end of the day, he had a pick against the Cowboys. I thought he played well against the Packers. And then Cooper. He had a great, he had a great play to uh, close out. Uh, to get the Packers off the field, it was before before Aaron Rodgers threw that deep ball in the double coverage on that last drive that was incomplete. Uh -huh. yeah. The second down play was a throw out, a uh, shallow throw, and he hit the guy as he was going to catch it, and it ended up being incomplete. That was a big play a lot of people don't kind of reference. But they try to define his little stint. I mean, his little stint. They tr try, they're trying to define his stint with the Niners with that game against the Rams, and it's like, bro. Cooper Cup cooked every single body he went against. Every game this year, he balled out except the like the second and third game of the season against the Cardinals, but whatever. Like one game the whole year. He cooked every single body. But everybody talked like Kawan Williams is just this bum or something. At the end of the day, I seen I thought he had great coverage over some of the plays against Cooper Cup. But Matthew Stafford and that amazing arm talent was making throws where you're just like, yeah, man. Great coverage. He, he just can't, he can't do nothing about that. But at the end of the day, his stint with the 49ers was very, very successful. I thought he did an extremely good job. I mean, we literally ca he came from a game where he did he did a decent job against Adams. But people will remember some throws. And it's like, bro, he was covering the two best receivers in the game. Fans, fans just annoy me. DJ Reed, like, at the end of the day, DJ Reed is sitting on his couch. And y'all know it's a whole little team effort, whatever. He's sitting on his couch. Niners made it to the NFC Championship. Niners defense allowed uh, 17 points, third or 10 points, or yeah, Packers scored 10, right? Yeah, yeah, 10 points, and then we allowed 20 points. And folks want to just harp on corner all day, all night, cry about it 24/7 to the point where we're bringing up players from the past, the past. Like, bro, I mean, I, I, what do you think about this right here from uh, William? <laughs> That's a casual fan. That's what we call a casual fan who doesn't watch football. That's what we call that. We need good corners and safeties. Our safeties has been some of the best in the league. We don't give up big plays. Like, what are you talking about? Our defense, our corners, our, our whole secondary only gave up three 300-yard passing games in 20 games. What are you talking about? Our passing defense was one top 10 in the league. What are you talking about? Like, stop saying crazy stuff like that. Do we need depth? Yes, we need depth. But star Ambry Thomas, did you see the bounce back that he had this year? He didn't. I mean, 
preseason, I mean, training camp wasn't that great, I heard. Preseason, he just wasn't that great. Came into some games, just wasn't that great. Then Niners said, you know what, we're going to start. I mean, he had to work his way up. He, they, they had they relegated him to special teams. He worked, worked, worked. I mean, even the special teams coach talked about it. He was like, man, he wanted more. He kept to coming to me, wanted more. Something around Emory Thomas changed. And this man started getting better week after week. And the Niners started him week after week after week. I mean, it was like three three to four passes. He probably should have had picked. And, you know, butterfinger hands. But at the end of the day, it's like, bro, Emory <laughs> Thomas has grown each week. We started a rookie in the playoffs, and our defense did a great job. Like, what are we talking about here? Hey Chris, would you say it is fair though? Like I, I think that, I think you're right that people overblow. Like, oh, we need a lockdown corner. Like that's what you hear a lot. I think that might be a casual thing to say, but I think one thing that the 49ers definitely do need is you talked about Williams. I mean, chances are Williams and possibly even Tartar gone, so they do have to look at those positions and address them. Of course. Um, but to say that they need a major upgrade at those spots is, I mean, that's. I feel like that's overdoing it. I mean, I think people associate good corner play with turnovers, forcing turnovers. You look at what's happening with digs. You see the nonsense people are posting. Oh, who's who's better? Who's more locked down, digs or Revis? Like that's what people have talked about this offseason. It's absolutely wild. Um, they associate lockdown with with forcing turnovers. And, you know, the 49ers secondary has not been a machine to force a lot of turnovers whether that's scheme dependent player dependent whatever um that's one thing that they have lacked and somewhere that they can improve but that does not mean that the corners and safeties are not doing their jobs and i think that's if, if, uh, if you want to take that before, angle before i go i will 100 agree that the 49ers they, they they have to get better at taking the ball away like you would like to see that like take the ball away more they haven't been a, a unit that takes the ball away i'll give people that but in the sense of just feeling like you can just plug in someone else and all of a sudden you're going to get these magical, uh, you know, results. Like right here, we got a caller. Uh, he says, uh, good corners or get beat. No, like let me get that clock. I want to get that. All right, do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first off, look, I understand the whole secondary not getting enough turnovers, but at the end of the day, if other parts of the team is getting in terms, like I told you, in our last – in our last 11 games to finish the season, our defense forced like uh, 18, uh, 17 turnovers, 18 to 17 turnovers. And then, of course, we had, you know, three in the playoffs. So we were getting turnovers. It just wasn't coming from the secondary, even though, you know, we had two in the secondary against the Rams. I mean, and most of those games to end the season, because remember, we we went, we, we, we had a slump during the year, and then boom, we finished off very strong in turnovers. So if if the if the secondary is not getting the turnovers, there's other parts of the team that is getting turnovers. So I'm good with that. At the end of the day, it's a turnover. And if the linebackers are creating it, if the defensive line is creating it, good. It's a turnover. Get to this caller. I'm off my rocker. Yeah, I am off my rocker. How about that? I'm old. <laughs> but no. We have to get good corners or we get beat like we did last year. I just want you to understand what he's saying. We we have to get corners or we go. We held the Rams to 20 points, the lowest in the playoffs. At the end of the day, the reason why the 49ers lost is because their offense couldn't score a single point in the fourth quarter. We had a 17-7 lead. And at the end of the day, this Rams team, who is high-powered, OBJ, Cooper Cup, Akers, they're going to put up points. 
you if this is the t- in today's NFL, you're not just gonna hold a team to zero 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 zero. Like, I, I, is that what the fans expect? Y'all expect shutouts? I think fans? so. Y'all I think that's why they keep saying they need to shut down corner. I think that's why they keep saying they need to shut down corner. I think they think now you gotta you gotta you gotta hold teams to zero points or less than whatever they score. Bro. Which in reality, you gotta look at the context of things. Like you said, that was. And that was the Rams' lowest point total in the entire playoffs. That was their lowest point total. Uh, that was 12 points less than what they averaged per game during the regular season. You held them with your corners or whatever well below all of their averages. So they scored two touchdowns total throughout the entire game. And I, I get it. Like the Cowboys, the Cowboys had the most high power offense in the in, in the NFL, the Cowboys scored the most points per game in the NFL. You hold, held them to 17 points. And seven of those came off of an interception by Jimmy Garoppolo setting up short field. All right? The corners, you can't – that's my issue with what the fans are saying. If you're saying, oh, well, we need perfect – we need perfect corners because the offense can't score any fucking points, then I agree. Okay, yeah, we got to figure out a way to get shut shut down corners because the offense can't score points in an offensive-driven league. But the defense did more than good enough to win each playoff game. And luckily, a team that held the Packers to 10 points, I get it, it was hella cold or whatever. Luckily, they had a blocked punt because if not for that, then the defense would have been in trouble again and people would blame the secondary. And it's like, dude, we held them to 10 points. This is a this is an offense. That, hold on, Chris. This this is an offense that, by the way, and people got so mad when I posted this picture. They had the Pro Bowl picture of all the guys that made it from this offense, and I go, "Wow, that's an awful lot of Pro Bowlers to only average seventeen points a game in the playoffs." And people got so hot about it, but it's true. You have weapons all over the place. You had five guys that were either Pro Bowlers or Pro Bowler reserve players, and that's not including. You know, well, six, I guess, if you include Kittle. I mean, two guys that have been all pro caliber players, um, three guys, really, if you want to include Debo. Like, to me, this offense didn't do their job. And I, the only complaint that I had about the defense is for some reason they couldn't figure it out. It could be scheme. It, you know, who knows what this is? Croc, uh, you probably have a better idea. Maybe it's it's more scheme related. But from the Titans game on, they had a real problem on third and long getting off the field. The The defense didn't give up a lot of points, but they sure did give up a ton of time of possession not getting off the field in those third down and longs against the Rams. That did end up being a killer, but that doesn't excuse the offense for only putting up 17 points. And at the end of the day, as bad as it looked at times, and it did look bad, I remember talking to you, Croc, at halftime in spaces, saying, man, I feel like the team is playing as bad as it could be, and they were still up. I feel good about the second half. Well, I was mainly talking about the defense. I thought it looked really bad at times, even though they weren't giving up a lot. But the offense, at the end of the day, has to put up more points, and the result was only 20 points to a Rams team that was super high-flying. They should have won that game, and the offense didn't do their job, ultimately. Yeah, and a lot of people keep asking, like, I see my guy Matt here. He's like, oh, you gotta admit that they can at least upgrade at the slot. I think Kwan Williams is a good slot. He, I think he's had his struggles, not just this year. I think 
maybe people f- more, notice a little bit more this year. I've been saying it as long as he's been the 49ers. He's not good at covering vertically pushing routes. Like, it's just not his thing. For whatever reason, I don't even know why. Terrific underneath, not very good deep. So, yeah, upgrade there. And I'm not even saying that you can't upgrade from the corners the 49ers have. You can, you can definitely – you can upgrade from Amory Thomas. You can upgrade – from Emmanuel, Mo- I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is they're not the reason the 49ers lost. Like a lot of people want to say, oh, if you had better corners, they wouldn't have lost this game. That's bullshit. Like, but can you upgrade? Yeah, but how do you upgrade from these guys? Because remember what I said, 90% of corners around the NFL are more like Ambry Thomas and Emmanuel Mosley. There are very uh, small percentage of guys that are like the J.C. Jacksons, the uh, Howard, you know, Xavier Howard, the Jalen Ramseys, and even those guys have their moments that you can put out, point out just like these other guys that get beat. You know what I'm saying? So it, that's the part that kills me about the whole cornerback narrative. It's not as simple as just saying you can up, you can, oh yeah, you, you need to, you need to get better corners. Can you upgrade? Sh- sure. It ain't easy though. It's hard. Like it's hard to get really good corners. So, within not having the best corners in the league, definitely not bad. Hell, Martin Humphrey's one of the best corners in the league and he gave up over 200 yards to Jamar Chase. Like it it like dudes get ate up. All right? But can you improve? Yes, but it is nowhere near as simple as what a lot of people uh want to make it out to be. Now, as far as Jesse saying uh third down long, couldn't get off the field. I despise spot dropping. I think the 49ers did a ton of spot dropping. You talk about the Tennessee games, guys running to spots, hooking up in zones in between uh, uh, Fred Warner and Jimmy Ward kind of finding that soft spot while guys are kind of spot dropping and looking at the quarterback trying to read his eyes. And, you know, they, they did the, the, the Titans go max protect. They got three guys out in route. 49ers got seven guys in coverage, but can't cover three guys in route because they're spot dropping. I think that's an issue. That's more of a schematic thing, but that's just kind of my view on that. Real quick, good CBs would have our off would give more our office more chances. We were giving teams more chances getting beat on Hail Mary on third and fifteen. But is Diggs good? One, it, okay, that's a casual it, it, fan. my question is: that's a is Diggs good? Yeah, my question is: is Diggs good? Like, I understand he's a boomer bus guy, and I'm not saying he's a bad player, but just because he gets a lot of takeaways. Is he better? Is he really better than an, even a, an Emmanuel Mosley? Like, let's be real, because he's either giving up the most yards in the league or he's taking the ball away. Like, there is no in-between for him. Mosley's just consistent and making plays on a regular basis that may not be resulting in turnovers, but does result in that team getting off the field. Now, I know it didn't happen late, but look at what happened to Diggs. I mean, Ayuk ate his lunch. All game long, you can watch play after play after play. Ayuk had him in a spin cycle like they were in a freaking washing machine. So is Diggs a good corner? Who's a good corner? And how many of these guys exist? It's really hard to make happen. And if your answer is, well, let's go get J.C. Jackson. Nope, he's going to stay with the Patriots. They really love the corner position. They pay those guys. Or let's go get Gillylock. You want a 33-year-old corner and you're going to set a rookie and, and pay this guy $12 million? Like, what is the answer? Like, if you have a problem, you have to come to the table with a solution. And right now, I don't hear solutions. I just hear more well, compounding on the problem. I think that if you just draft 
if you draft a breach, you yeah. just go and draft breach. a corner, he's going to come in and be better than what you have. When really, again, like I said, 90% of the guys are more like that, depending on the scheme, right? And again, I think every time it's still kind of playing out of what makes him good. Uh, I do want to kind of touch on your, your comment about digs. The one thing I do, because I understand how difficult it is to play corner, I value guys that take the ball away. So I would much rather have Diggs, who may have got beat a little bit more than Mosley, or a lot more. He gave up over a thousand yards. But <laughs> he's taking the ball away at a high rate because I know at some point like those yards are gonna come. The yards are gonna come, the plays are gonna come. So at least if you're taking the ball away at a high rate, that gives your, your team more chances, which I think that's what our guy here is trying to explain. But if you're just saying in general, the the corners were bad because of uh Hail Mary, which was clearly an offensive pass interference uh by AJ Brown AJ Brown. But if you're just saying in general, hey, they don't they I shoot the what was it the Tennessee Titans? They barely had 200 yards passing. It's not mm -hmm. like they were just throwing the ball all around and having all this success. It, like the 49ers corners just getting torched. They had a, a good drive where you had the one third and 15, somebody jumped off sides. That gave them a free play. They threw the ball up. I thought it was offensive PI. They didn't call it. He got that. And then later in that drive, he had two more catches, one that ended up going for a touchdown. Talking about A.J. Brown. He had a really good drive. He had a solid game for sure. Hell, look on the other side of things. Debo Samuel had a better game than A.J. Brown. But the 49ers lost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why, you know, so uh, it's, it's it's a it's a tough conversation. I, I do appreciate the, the contribution. Uh Chris, I gotta get you out of here because I gotta get the next caller on. All right. Uh here we go. One one more contribution. More chance to do what for Jim to not move the offense. If your offense can't move the ball, it doesn't matter how many turnovers you get. And I think Good that point. goes to my point of the 49ers defense 100 percent playing more than well enough for the for the team to win, but the offense doesn't do their part. The last two yeah, drives I mean, for the 49ers, six plays, three yards. Like, it's it's easy to say, well, if Tart gets that interception, they win the game. But, like, how? How would they win the game? They couldn't put up any points. They weren't moving the ball. They, they were doing literally nothing. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo in that game, or throughout the playoffs, was asked to do nothing, and he somehow did less. Like, that was the story of Jimmy Garoppolo during the playoffs, in my opinion. <laughs> We got Papa Dragon on, and we got J Law on. Oh, real quick, let me let me see. AJ Brown had eleven for one forty-five, and and Debo had even more than that. Debo had like what one sixty something, and the 49ers still lost. And out of the hundred and forty-five yards that AJ Brown had, which is terrific, he didn't all do his work against yeah. the, slot, uh, the outside guys. He did some work in the slot, and they only had fifty more total yards for an entire game. Like they had two hundred passing yards. But here we go. We got Papa Dragon on. We hey. got my guy Jay Law on. What's good, y'all? Jay. Morning, Jen. Hey, Mr. Nails. Yeah. Nails. Dude, you're killing me over here. I'm trying, I'm trying to trade this guy, and you're just putting up all kind of <laughs> bulletin board material. We asked, we asked uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to do oh less, and he did even less than that. That's killing us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to trade I him. You say that. I didn't hear you say that, Jesse. That's good. But yeah, yeah I said they, they they asked Jimmy Garoppolo to do nothing and he somehow did less. Like that's oh what happened. Oh my god, you said it again. <laughs> it's going viral. On, on some real shit though. That like the scary part is, is there's a lot of truth to that. 
statement. No, that, like, that's, no that, that, that's that's true. I think, um, and I just want to just say that uh, it's a pleasure meeting you, Jesse. Um, yeah, you a longtime fan, man. Oh man, I I I, I just. You know, obviously, I could probably talk all day, and I don't want to. But here's the deal: <laughs> I think ultimately, right now, That's a lie. ultimately, right now, we need offensive line help. And if you don't believe me, ask the Bengals. Um, the Bengals had some uh, the de- decent O line; they could have won that game, right? If we had decent O line, we we should have won an NFC Championship game, but we didn't. Both our tackles were shot; they were just running through the line. I don't know if you guys remember at the end of that game, I think it was the fourth quarter, literally, literally, Aaron Donald talked to the, uh, uh, I think it was number 94, at the line of scrimmage. He said, hey. And after that, it was over. <laughs> they, they, they created some kind of scheme on the defensive line where they could not be blocked the rest of the game. So they shut us down. So offensive line to me obviously is the point. You know, Crocker, I love you. Uh Flat out, man. I, I smell what you're baking. And and, and and it tastes good. You know, the cornerbacks is the least of our worries. However, I do have a little list. I Hold like- on. I don't want to say it's the least of the worries because I think there are a lot of people that think that <laughs> okay. I am I am against trying to upgrade the cornerback position. Oh no. You I am always- not against it. No, no, no. I, no I'm no. just saying no. that's nowhere near their biggest no. priority when no. they show that they can play well enough to win. With no, sorry as Josh Norman out there. No, 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 no. You're right. You're absolutely right in that. We have definitely disregarded that position for years and it caught up with us. I I I I'm not saying that from a standpoint of oh, this a priority. We gotta go and sign this this shutdown corner, that shutdown corner. I mean, one of my my top real quick, players, my bad, Papa Dragon. I know I'm cutting you off again. Again, yeah. and I talked and I used this example before. The Patriots have JC Jackson. Yeah. Everybody wants JC Jackson. Mm-hmm. And J.C. Jackson is going to help this defense be shut down. J.C. Jackson was on a defense that gave up 47 points to the Buffalo Bills. Yes. Josh Allen threw more touchdown passes, five, than incompletions, four, with J.C. Jackson on the field. The 49ers defense and corners that everybody hates, the team gave up 47 points total by play after playing three offensive juggernauts, the right. Packers, the Cowboys, the Rams, they give up 47 points total. Total. The Packers and Patriots gave it up in one game with JC Jackson, a shutdown corner or whatever you want to call it, does not move the needle the way 49er fans think it does. Would I would I want him? Of course I would love him. Do I think he'd make the 49ers defense better? Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't stop everything. No, production no, is going to happen. The 49ers secondary, the 49ers secondary held most quarterbacks under their average for this entire season. So that's what I'm saying. Like, am I opposed to uh, not, you know, uh, no, don't go get a corner. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying whatever the 49ers fans think is going to happen with going to get a corner, I don't think they're going to get the results that they think they're going to get. That's my, that's more of my point. And, and that, it's a oh, lot and, harder to yeah. really upgrade that corner to the point where you get much better cornerback play in the in the sense of it resulting in a uh, defense that where you're just shaving off ten points of what you're giving up per game. Okay, all right. Well, let me just say one thing I love the most about you is that you played NFL. I've worked in the NFL. 
I've played college ball. You and I see a lot of things eye to eye. So my question is this, what, what moves do we need to take in your opinion? And also, especially yours too, J Jesse, you're our guest on the O-line to improve that, that, that area. And we also need um, a nickelback. In my opinion, we need a kick returner. And I do believe that we need a deep threat. But again, deep threat doesn't make a difference if we don't have O-line to protect. So you guys, the floor is yours. What do you think? What do you think? If I can um, just yeah, go ahead, interject. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. If I can just expand a little bit on what you were saying there, uh, Dragon and, and Crocky. Um, in the playoffs, like you said, Croc, the Niners allowed like 40 points total between three very high-powered offenses. Yeah. 40 total. Okay. You know mm -hmm. how many points our offense put up? Mm -hmm. Like 52. That's why yeah. we lost. That's why we're but that's why the Niners didn't go to the Super Bowl. The offense couldn't do anything. So to build on what Papa Dragon and you were saying, Croc, the offensive line is the issue. If, if they would have held up for just a couple more minutes, like, we would have been to the Super Bowl. It, that's all they needed to do. Hold up for five more freaking minutes. No. And they're no, in the no, Super no, Bowl. No, 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 Jay, Jay Law, you need your quarterback to make a play. Okay, no, wait a second. That, that's you're what it comes Croc, down to. Croc, Croc, your offensive line cannot <laughs> no. look like Best Buy on the opening day of Black Friday. It can't. And I it hear you. Order. I, I hear you, but at the end of the day, it's not always going to be ideal. Your quarterback has saying, to figure out a way to make a play. You got to make I'm a play. Not, yeah, I'm not saying that. Can you just make one play? It's not going to be easy if you want everything to be just – Lay up perfect blocking all the time, then okay, I get it from that standpoint. That's not always going to be the case. There's going to be some times where your quarterback okay. is going to have to overcome some of the current circumstances. And from that Absolutely. standpoint, you got to figure out a way to make just make a play to keep things going. That was the same thing that happened with uh 49ers in the Super Bowl but against Kansas City. It's like you're down 10 or you're up 10 or whatever the case is. Hey, we just need you. Can you just make one play? Just make one play. Make one throw for us. Just keep these sticks moving. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So hey, I, I get it in the sense of we want the offensive line to be perfect. We want Croc. the cornerbacks to be perfect. I got, we want no, George no, Kittle to be perfect. I'm not asking for competence. Look, four things happen yeah, when you I'm pass the ball. Three of those four things are bad. Okay? There were some times Jimmy was going down in like less than almost like a second. No one is going to throw you out of that. So whenever people have seen Peyton Manning or nope. Tom Brady dive down in the fetal position when the line breaks down, okay, guess what? That's a positive pass play. But when you throw the ball, it gets tipped or intercepted, or when you fumble it, or when you drop back and you all of a sudden get sacked out of field goal range, those are bad pass plays. I'd rather someone take an interception and throw the ball down the field 35, 40 yards because at least it's changing field position. Okay. I think at some point, all you know, it, I, things can catch up to you and definitely not be as ideal. But my my stance is always going to be quarterback. You get paid more than anybody on the roster. You get paid more than everybody. You're the reason why sometimes there aren't even as good of players around the team because you make so much money. At some point, you got to go above and beyond and just make a play. And it might. I talked about the play by Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson got sacked. Until he didn't, and he spun out of it, and he made a play that really wasn't there to be had. 
at some point you just you got to make a play. And I think for Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm not saying he hasn't. I thought he was terrific against the Packers down the stretch and the two completions he converted on in that on that very last drive. Thank you. He, you no, made some throws. No, you're but right. I, I'm just saying, in general, as a quarterback, at some point, you know, for you to win the game, that's what it's going to come down to. That's what the difference is going to be. Can the quarterback make the play? Now, one time I'll say that where it didn't really happen and the guy was making plays, even though the deep, the offensive line wasn't protecting Super Bowl, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes made, made some plays, and his receivers, it was hitting them in the face mask, and they were dropping in the ends on the stuff. So I'm going to give him a pass. But more times than not, quarterback is going to come down to, man, this is a shitty situation. Bro, can you get us out of this? Please. We just need you to convert one time. Couldn't do it. Okay, well, I get what you're saying, but it doesn't change the fact that we are, one, Laketon Tomlinson losing him to this being in a complete disaster. How do we Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I think that's, that's the that's, question. That's How do we the line? Who do we find as a nickelback? Because those are our glaring needs to me. Right. Yeah, and, so and I agree. Yeah, I agree. Man. I agree. I agree on those. I'm just Talk saying in general. As, as yeah. So, so for me, I mean, again, offensive line to me, they have to fix through players that are already in the league because I don't trust them to draft. I also want to know, like, where is Banks and where are more? Let's not forget, like, more I get played tackle in a pinch, but he was brought in to play guard. Like, that was from Shanahan's mouth. He said that. Both right. of those guys were brought in to play guard. So where are they at in their development? And if you're going to go out and upgrade, they have to do it through free agency because I don't trust them to necessarily go out and draft these guys. Now, I do think addressing the nickel corner spot through the draft is probably the way to go. You know, they're going to have more assets, whether it's trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, maybe they trade a Greenlaw, but I feel like they're going to pick up more assets. So getting a guy... You know, I'll throw out a name. I'm not saying it has to be this guy, but somebody like a, a Marcus Jones, right? Somebody like that that can come in and compete with Lenore, figure out who the best guy is for that position going forward. That's what I want. I just want youth Tell at the, the kid cornerback out of position. Yeah, a kid out of Houston. I, I would, because you have Lenore, and a matter of fact, uh, Papa Dra uh, Dragon and Jay Law, I'm going to get you guys off, man. I appreciate y'all coming on. We're going to close the show. No, appreciate you, guys. you have a great morning. Thanks for the combo. All right. Y'all have a good one, man. Appreciate y'all. Peace out. Shout out to the Niners faithful. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I think when it, when it pertains to the corner, and I got I got some uh, super chats I got to read. But as it pertains to the uh, the cornerback position, if if you believe that the young guys that they have can potentially be starters, right, whether it's Lenore and the nickel, Amber Thomas on the outside, I think I, I would go more the free agent route. Now, not a high-priced free agent, unless you do have a chance at J.C. Jackson. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't want J.C. Jackson. Come on now. I'm just saying the corner is not the reason 49ers lost those games. But <laughs> if you bring in J.C. Jackson, who plays nickel, you still have that problem at nickel, right? Like, who, Well, no, no, but I'm saying I, I have to still address the nickel position. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I like the thoughts of a free agent. So at cornerback position, whether it's J.C. Jackson or other, if it's not J.C. Jackson, I'm going a guy that's probably a lot less money. So, um, you know, a two $2 million free agent to come in and challenge Ambry Thomas for the starting spot. I also pay another guy, probably another, you know, 1.5 million or whatever to challenge Diamondo Lenore if they play him in the nickel at the nickel spot. So uh, I would kind of go more that route because it gives your guy more of an opportunity to truly like compete for a job as opposed to maybe drafting somebody high. Now, I still would throw some resources at the cornerback position in the draft, 
maybe a fifth round or something like that. And not, it don't have to be hell. It could be second round. I don't know, but I know the higher up, the more you're pushing that other guy away uh, in the sense of what his development is. So, you know, those are kind of some questions. That see, like I'm ask. really big. I'm, I agree with you on that outside corner spot. Like I'm big on some, bringing in somebody like a Kyle Fuller, right? Somebody who plays 16 games every year, somebody who's a seasoned pro pressing that age of 30, but not quite over 30. Like that to me is like the perfect guy to bring in instead of going after, you know, bringing back for or a Stefan Gilmore because he can press to possibly start at the outside corner spot. But if he doesn't, like he's also a veteran presence and would be a great fill-in if something happens. So I'm with you there. Um, and, and I'm fine either way. I just don't know what nickel corners are available. I haven't looked too heavy into it. Um, and and I know that there are uh, there are some good nickel corners that should be there round three in the draft. And I personally, especially at the corner spot, I really do value youth. You know, unless you're a real good grizzled season veteran um, that can get it done for a long time, like it is a youth position in my opinion. So I would like to get youth there to fill that nickel corner spot. Yeah, no, definitely. And shout out to the, you know, 375 people in here right now. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. I'm getting to the super chats now. Uh, sorry for putting it off too long or so long. Uh, more chances to do what uh, for Jim? To not yeah, you read that one, I think. If your offense, okay, yeah, I read that one. Here we go. We got uh, Archie here. Uh, we are watching the Dream Team. Love you guys. Everyone, please hit the uh, like button. I think they like us, Jesse. That's perfect. I like <laughs> That's it. <laughs> here we go. We got uh, Mike Shields. Stop it, Papa. Jimmy made a rookie mistake. Hint Jennings in the flat for a loss. Losing time and yards. He missed his reads that he couldn't overcome. That he could have overcome. And I, I think that comes down to, like, you just got to make a play. And I think uh, Jimmy's asshole got a little tight. It got a little tight. Kyle's asshole gets a little tight, too. <laughs> All right, and Crocker, tell young audience don't have Dion or Charles Woodson in the draft. And and I think that's that's the thing. I think a lot of people are expecting just this high caliber cornerback play. And I, I think you are able I, I if I'm the 49ers or if I'm the league, I might go more towards what the 49ers have done with their philosophy of maybe not investing a ton of money because the 49ers are getting just as good of results. Overall, in the sense of passing yards against, points against them, not, not saying that it's ideal or not saying that there isn't a liability, but in the sense of the outcome and the production that they've gotten, aside from the takeaways, other teams have invested a ton and aren't getting nearly the uh, production in a from a positive standpoint as the 49ers defense as a whole. Yeah. And I, you know, again, I don't mind people calling out a problem. I just, I'm a big person on finding solutions. Like we can call out problems, but what's the solution? And I hear people all the time. All right, well, we got a problem at corner and then their solution is go get a guy that's not going to be available in JC Jackson or go get a 33 year old corner like that. Those are not to me, like those aren't good solutions. So like, if you have a problem, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, but come to the table with a realistic solution paying a 33 year old 13 million dollars a year like that's not the solution in my opinion all right we're gonna find out man jesse i appreciate you coming on you hung out with me this is the longest maybe we've ever gone uh yeah yeah approaching two hours uh in about 20 minutes i'll be on live with grant cone so make sure y'all tune in that i gotta get out now i was just gonna keep it going but i gotta go grab something to eat real quick before i get on with <laughs> take grant. a break because I, I you know 
I know a lot of y'all watching right now on the West Coast. I, I live in Arkansas, so it's about to be 11 uh, noon here when I'll be hopping on with Grant Cohen. So appreciate everybody that's tuned in, uh, all the contributions that rolled in. Shout out to everybody that drove a conversation. I see the – hey, Lewis Seen, I'm going to look into him probably coming up. Uh, but anyways, man, I'm, I'm all over the place now. We're getting out of here. Love all y'all. Uh, appreciate all everybody for the debate. Hold on. Shout out to my guy. Where's he at? Because he, he's been on it in here. Gosh, where's he at? Right here. Uh, was that 13, the 13 or 1 3? Hey, shout out to you, man. Um, you drove a good conversation, and hopefully, nobody takes it as like any attack or anything like that because yeah. sometimes we have differing opinions. Um, you know, I, I'm I know I'm not right about everything, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just an opinion, just like yours. I value everyone's opinion and don't think my opinion weighs more than anyone else's. So, um, Shout out to you. And if you ever want to come on live, come on live, man. I appreciate it. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Catch me in 20 minutes live on Grant Cohn's show. Yeah, man. We out, y'all. Uh, peace. Intercepted. It is picked up by Eric Rocker. Over midfield. He'll run it all the way into the end zone. Touchdown. Crop Talk TV podcast. Peace.